0: It's Thursday, March 8th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 478 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 47 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. And my name's Chad. We're going to dive right into it. Chad Set us up, so I've already got thoughts galore on this. Man, I hate setting up the topic. I always feel on the spot. All right, fine. Wayne, do you want to set this up? Because this happened in your game. This is not a Skies of Glass story. Well, this this is in every game. Well, okay, it is. But the example that got us thinking about this, it came from your superhero, supervillains, whatever game.
1: Yeah, apparently
2: what triggered the conversation was
1: at the... Handcuffed to a table.
2: (laughs) Yes. At the end of the last session, the party raided a quote-unquote bank, and they walked into a trap.
1: Teleported into a
2: trap. True. They teleported directly into a trap. Gas went off. They failed their rolls, dropped unconscious, and they woke up chained to a table. Mm -hmm. And that was the cliffhanger. It was great. It was was really awesome.
1: Uh, Wayne did it very well, and it just got me thinking over the past couple of days about player agency.
2: Yeah, yeah it really, it actually surprised me that you guys thought of taking teleport and teleporting into it. Mm-hmm. You put yourself right in the trap that I didn't expect <laughs> you to walk into, but by all means. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it is kind of uh, the mouse trap without cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They saved you a lot of work. You didn't have to worry that they might see it coming or yeah, fight off the guards or whatever the trap was going to be. They just
2: Yeah, they teleported right into it. Yeah. yeah, we were very clever. <laughs> all right,
0: so we're going to talk about the loss of player agency and things that you can do with it or mm-hmm. do around it and the ways to do it right. But I'm going to set some boundaries on this conversation that we talked about before recording. I'm going to lay out here just so you guys know why we're leaving certain things out because we want to keep this generally on task, all right? So first off, we're not going to talk about why you shouldn't do this. We've dealt with that in enough episodes, but this is still sort of thing. It's a story element. Mm -hmm, And to say you should never, ever, ever do this is, I think it's an extreme position that outside of hyperbole, I don't think any of us have ever taken.
2: And without it, it's really hard to have any consequence for a player. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Well, and there are some game systems that really bigger it in general. Forget the plot. All right, which that's a big thing to put aside (laughs) for a moment. (laughs) Just forget the plot. Look at D&D or Pathfinder. How many of the, as they call them, save or suck spells are Mm -hmm. there where somebody casts Charm Person or Sleep or Hold Person? Well, Charm Person is perfect. Not even
1: Hold Person. Charm Person. One roll, fail the roll. You can't control your character anymore. Yeah, so... I, I mean, it's beyond, like getting chained to something. It's someone else is literally controlling
0: your character. So we're not going to debate whether this ought to be done. We're going to start with this is occurring for some reason and go from there. Let's let's assume good faith. It's occurring mm. for good reasons with good outcome. I think that's an important point right there. If it's being done in the
1: sense of I'm a game master. You didn't go down the path I laid out for you. You're getting off the rails. Suddenly I'm mass charming person. Everybody <laughs> to get them back on my yeah, plot yeah. or I'm pissed. That We're not talking. No, so that's not how yeah, we do so it. So we're
0: assuming it's fair. And the third thing is, just because we don't want to get stuck up in this, this is another one we talked about in a prior episode, don't want to get caught here, is we're not going to deal with social coercion. Right. We are talking about something, and this could be physical incarceration, this could be a spell taking over your mind, but there is something far more mechanical than an issue of social coercion that is making your character do or not do something. And I think I came up with a way of defining this. Because one of the things we were talking about was that it's somewhat hard to describe what it means to take away player agency, because players, in a sense, never have full agency. You cannot do anything and everything you want. There is always something in the rules, in the setting, or in the situation that is going to confine what you can do. And so I think the way that I'm going to define this is taking away an option that would otherwise be there and the players, for whatever reason, want to pursue. All right. For example, right now I'm perfectly content to be in my house.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I have, I'm not attempting to escape it. But if Carla came downstairs right now and said, Dan, there's a bunch of strange people, Barricading our doors, and we can't get out of our house. Guess what? My number one priority is going to be figure out a way to get out of this house, you know. And Mm -hmm. yep, probably have a good excuse for my lawyer, too. (laughs) But the point being, you know, that's that's what we're talking about. Think about like an escape room the ones that you go and you work out the puzzle and try to get out. Mm -hmm. We know from the start we're not genuinely locked in there. There's a release on the door, there's a panic button you can hit, there's people watching you by camera. You're not literally locked in there, at least around here. Fire codes don't allow them to do that. So if you leave, you lose the game, but you're not actually trapped in there. But can you imagine the tenor that that game would take if something happened where you actually were locked in there? We're for real. And that's what a
1: role-playing game is. Yeah,
0: you yeah, you, yeah. you hear something going outside the room, you hear gunshots and the door clicks, and <laughs> suddenly, you, for real, you're stuck in this room. Well, all of a sudden, what do you want more than anything else? You don't want that control back, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here, is this moment where the player characters or the players realize some amount of control they
2: previously had is gone. Mm-hmm. You hit on something that I've thought of as a game idea before. The escape room. I thought that would be the perfect setup for a zombie apocalypse game. Well, you're <laughs> sure. trapped in there an hour, and the zombie apocalypse starts while you're out, and you reach the end of the hour and come out, and... I think it'd be a great apocalypse of, is there for any
0: sort of game. Like, just build it into the premise of the game. Because one of the escape rooms we did, the one that we did like as a group of hosts... Was about? Did you a, say a group of hoes? I did That's exactly. <laughs> I did not all say group of hosts. No, I totally said as a group of hoes. Mm-hmm. But while we were street walking, and the, <laughs> the one we did was about a nuclear launch, right? And so you could set up a role playing game that takes place for you're you're an escape room. Well, what if you get so good with you and your crew at escape rooms that you just blow
1: through them to where to challenge yourself? You have to be in character, <laughs> like it's. Not part of the escape room experience you're paying for. You come in and, you know, we're the president and, you know, there's a nuclear launch. We have to figure this out. It's like, OK, you're the president, Dan. And Wayne, you're the vice president. And we can... <laughs> that's
0: a wonderfully terrible idea. Well, I don't know. I played the president for a few moments there at the end when they were taking the pictures. The pictures, Yeah, yeah you're yeah. giving the, the right like, phone. And the yeah, we need line. you to look up and smile. I'm like, I'm on the phone with Batman right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's smiling except the joker if i'm on the phone with batman as the president this situation isn't funny anymore <laughs> minute, so you guys just tried to drop an atomic bomb on us why that's the premise of your game why would i be smiling this is right <laughs> this is not a happy occasion for anybody once you accept the joker he's smiling right if you want him in here should have gotten him all right but so this came up in your game where your, your superhero super supervillains right. necessary evil whatever the hell it is you're running And this is something that I think you can see come up in just about any game where situation or monster powers or whatever come to bear on the characters. And I think, and we already talked about this, but I'm going to loop back to it because I think it deserves underlining, is I think it has to, at least to the player, seem fair Mm. and seem purposeful. It has to feel like this isn't capricious. You're not simply taking things away because they got off your rails or they're not following your story or they annoyed or agitated or hurt your precious NPC Hmm. that you love more than the PCs. This isn't some kind of punishment. You didn't just declare that it happened. They had some saving throw or whatever it is that the rule system says they deserve. They got some amount of fairness to it. Some kind of, they can see how we got here. Right. Or at least understand the story purposes of why they're there. So
1: how important is it to give the role? In this sense, Mm -hmm. we're talking about a game master taking agency away from players. How can a game master guarantee that happen? Like, if we say, I have a plot, I need the characters to get captured, that means taking agency away from them, how much should I give them roles? Is it acceptable not to give them roles? Can I just come in and say, okay, Gas goes,
2: you walked in, yeah, there's a cliffhanger. Because in this case, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. Yeah. One of the characters had super sorcery and gave herself teleport. If uh-huh. she made her role, she could have teleported out. Yeah. It was not at all a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. But I can see in a lot of cases where you want to do a big reveal where you want that to be your big cliffhanger.
1: Yeah. So how do you do that? How how do you, as a game master, guarantee taking
0: agency away from a player? I don't know, but not be a dick about it. Yeah, I don't know that it has to be roles. Now many systems or situations will obviously have roles built into them. So let's go back to the save or suck spells in D anD D. There's a reason they're called save or suck, not mm-hmm. suck. All right. So you do usually get some kind of a saving throw in there, even if it's a difficult one or whatever, and so. Sometimes the system will give it to you, obviously. There's other times where I think the situation makes it fairly obvious that the player has a route of action. Mm -hmm. Let's say they're walking through a dungeon and a trap falls on them. The trap specifically is like a cage, and the cage has a locked door. Well, if they've got a lockpick skill, reasonably, they should be allowed to use it. If those bars are bendable... Or mm-hmm. that trap's liftable, yeah. and you have an incredibly strong character. Well, then there you go. You know, you the situation gives an obvious route of escape. Now, game masters can lay the road ahead of the truck and say, "Well, I know that they're going to try to pick the lock, so now I'm going to magically steal it." <laughs> yeah, and I know they're going to try to bend the bars, so now instead when, of steel, they're made out of unobtainium.
2: And right? to me, that is the
0: dick yeah. move.
1: When the Game Master starts layering like that, it rapidly becomes obvious to the player. I think that one of the keys here is that the Game Master hides certain things. You know, They, they don't make it obvious that they are making this an escape-proof escape room, right? That they, they don't want you to escape because of their plot, but is it important to give the players a sense that they can
0: escape? Is it important to give them an out? I think it's at least important to give them a sense that they understand how they got there mm. to feel like they had control, and the loss of control is the result of control. okay, let me give an example. we just talked about dice, but let me do one that doesn't involve dice. Let's say that you're walking down a corridor nice little dungeon crawl and they're at the end of one little side tunnel is the too good to be true treasure.
2: you know mm-hmm. it's
0: just there is the golden idol there and Some dumbass walks down that hall and first step into it, magic trap goes off. For whatever reason, there's no save on this, or they don't have the abilities to counter it. or I don't know. Imagine whatever situation you want, and they're done it, right? They're done Mm -hmm. it. But I think that most people, reasonable people, could see how they got themselves in that situation. It's like, come on. You really thought Mm -hmm. the treasure was just going to be sitting there, third room into the dungeon right. that easy to get on a table by itself. I mean, what's well, the counter argument to that? <laughs> Come on,
1: Dan, you know, I don't have any self control. <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, that's a you problem.
2: Well, <laughs> using another example, both of the skies of glass campaigns that I've played in, we've ended up prisoners of the Ist. Mm-hmm. in both of those cases. It was our actions that led us to those situations. But at that point, when you're a prisoner, you are limited. Yeah. You know? Well,
1: and he, here's something that I, I was thinking about, too, with, you know, well, do you give them a role or do you make it really obvious that they shouldn't do this or, or whatever? My thought is it's about how you handle it after the event. Like, you can make the event seem unfair, but if you are fair and good and rewarding afterwards. So like an example of I take agency as a game master, I take agency away from you guys. You two are playing in my game. And I don't want to keep saying captured because it sounds like, well, this is an episode on how to capture players. It's not. It's I take agency away from you guys. It's a mind control. It's a trap. It's a capture. It's, you know, it's doing something you want to do. I stop you from doing it. And I take agency away. What I'm doing, I'm taking power away from you. I'm taking a sense of safety, a sense of control, a sense of your place in the world. I don't care if it's dice rolls. I don't care if it's good for the plot. I don't care if it's even your actions. There is a piece of you as a human being that is at best disappointed because something was taken from you. Not like my money or my car or my house. Something deep in you. Again, safety, confidence, your place in the world, your agency, your, self, your, your sense of control. So as a game master, it's a transaction. I have to do something to put that back. And I don't think that giving agency back is enough. I don't think capturing you, putting you in a cell, and then the guard falls asleep so you can reach over and grab the key, is enough. That's stupid. Mm. It has to be something more. It has to be something that get. There's this term like give you your stick back. You know, it it, it gives you that that confidence. It it gives you a little bit more back. So that you, when you think about it, when you think about the story after the games are over and you think back on it, man, that was a really good game. You don't think about, man, that really sucked when he took that way, But man, wasn't that awesome when we got
2: away, when we escaped, when we did the thing. You've mentioned mind control a few times. One thing I've seen that I think really helps with this when it mm-hmm. comes to mind control, if the mind control is turning someone against the party, let them play it. Mm-hmm. I've seen that in a couple of games where it's almost always Pat is who it's been. (laughs) Pat's character would be controlled or Mm -hmm. turned. And then the GM, whether I think I've seen Dan do it, I've do it. I think Mm he saw you do it once even. Because he really enjoyed doing (laughs) that. Where you give that Mm -hmm. you're okay, you're mind controlled. You are now against the party. Here's your note card of what your new goal is. And let them because you are taking the agency away, they don't have the choice. But they get to play out how they do it, and they get to be a part of it. You're taking the
1: agency away, yet you're giving them something else, something a little bit bigger. You're giving them a little bit of mm. power. You're, you, you didn't really take away their agency. You actually made them more awesome. You just changed you know the mask that they were yeah. wearing. But
2: the rest of the party gets to come together mm. and rescue them., Yeah, a more recent example, this guy's a glass game when Motomar and I had super rabies. Oh, and Dan would hand us notes of what we saw Mm -hmm. and what we thought never felt like agency was being taken away because he gave us what we saw and thought, but then it was up to us to play it out. We still had felt like we had control. Mm -hmm. I
0: actually inverted that on a a point or two where I didn't tell you guys. I told Chad and Broder that what's about to occur is not actually happening. And then narrated Mm -hmm. events And Mm -hmm. so it had the full appearance even to you guys that this was really occurring. I I wanted to make you doubt your own perceptions. And so, yeah, there was still, there's a different kind of agency. It's a reparameterized agency. I guess you do something similar. People are locked in a cell. Maybe while the character's in there, you switch and say, okay, you guys are all going to play NPCs for just a little bit. You're going to play the henchmen of, the villain now Mm -hmm. who's keeping these people in there and doing his bidding and whatever until the moment comes where they get their chance to escape or something like that. But you just shift the camera and because, I mean, really, if you think about it, a player losing agency over the player character sucks, but I would think for most gamers, the bigger kick in the nuts is the loss of agency for the player. Yeah. Because they're being asked to effectively sit out the game. Mm-hmm. And if you give me something else to do, at least I'm still in the game. Yeah, Even if I'm not playing my primary character or playing him or her in the original way. Like Wayne said, if someone does charm person and I still keep playing the character, they don't get to dictate my actions or however yeah. it is you want to do it, but I still get to keep playing the character, but you know, Wayne's going to trust that I'm going to play within whatever parameters he gives me. If you've got to do this, this, and this, and generally work towards these goals, and I'm going to do it. Well, I think you hit it right
1: there, trust. If you don't have trust with the game master, or you don't have trust with the other players, taking away agency isn't going to work. Because without trust, your automatic thought is, they are trying to harm my character or harm me in some way. And people start getting really defensive about that sort of thing. If you don't have trust, don't even try this. You have to build trust before you you do these sorts of things. Like, if GM Fiat took agency away from my character, I am totally fine with it. Because I know it's either going to be a good story or there's going to be something awesome associated with it, or it's just going to help the general cause. And I'm all about helping the general cause because I trust you guys. You're my friends. Not all game masters and players
0: have that level of trust with each other. Yeah, actually with trust, let's talk about that for a second. Now, I'm not involved in this game, right? So mm-hmm. obviously you two know that, but I'm stressing this for the people at home. So this is an honest question. This is not a loaded one. But you guys were telling me that Dawn's character apparently has some kind of mind control power
1: yeah she's that female charles xavier okay yeah. so
0: evil evil evil, evil Charlie Charlie. charles who can walk around and <laughs> doesn't like people so and has hair <laughs> so not charles xavier and you said that okay. she regularly uses this on the party but yeah. she tries
2: well okay all <laughs> right, you guys get your saving throws or whatever yeah right? there are saving throws to it but frequently mm-hmm. like chad yeah. is playing a clueless character and He's driving around, she wants him to stop, she'll mind control him to stop. And it and my character
1: has certain disadvantages of literally clueless. And he does not get that he's been mind controlled. It's not like, "Oh no, she's controlling me. It's terrible. How dare you?" He's like Well, I always wanted to stop. What are you talking about? (laughs) I always wanted
0: to go into this other place I didn't want to go to. How does uh, you aside, because you said it's part of your
2: character, right? Yeah, it's hilarious. But how does the the group as a whole respond to this? You know, if I were a player, I would get frustrated with it quickly, I think. Mm -hmm. Because she is playing it. If it were superheroes where they're good guys, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Really weird. She's a villain that has no problem abusing it.
1: Yeah, we to get what she wants. We are bad guys and not just like, oh, we're good guys, but it's a dark setting. No, we're bad guys like the bad guys. And there's been a lot of interesting stuff that has happened with it. Look at it this way. My character and this is going to sound really stupid. My character has the car. I have a van. My character has a van. Nobody else, technically speaking, has a vehicle. So I drive us to the places where I want to go. And they have said, "No, wait, we don't want to go there." So <laughs> I just tried there. <laughs> Guess what I've just done? I've taken agency away from them. Unless they want to leap out of a speeding van or mind control, or, or mind control me, or convince <laughs> me otherwise, then it, and so uh, obviously having control of the steering wheel is not quite the same as you know using a superpower. To mind control person, you know, it's still within the ballpark. I think.
0: Sure, well I think it is because yeah, especially because we're bad guys. I can think of other role playing situations like that where people are doing a plan and planning goes on a bit too long and somebody I won't say Chad's name, gets a little bit anxious <laughs> yes. and just pops off a shot and gets the party started. Right. And okay, here comes the tidal wave of uh, you know, NBC I'm not being a dick, and, I'm I'm a doer. <laughs> but I mean it does in its own way take Absolutely. You know, you've taken us a, a part of agency away from these people. Because I remember, now this is going way back. I mean, this is 20 years back. Because I remember way back in that group in Paul's basement, which Chad, both you, me, and Dawn were all a part of, There was a lot of party infighting. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot... Because we
1: were hormonal teenagers. Oh, yeah.
0: It was was... was terrible. We're a terrible game. There were some great things about those games, but that was not one of them. (laughs) Right. And there was this enormous amount of infighting, and people had all kinds of wacky powers they were using on each other, and that is when my character finally snapped and Mm -hmm. there was the yellow line across the bridge (laughs) right because i I was the only human so nobody that's inhuman was allowed to cross that line and i started building all these fail safes on my character to try and maintain that agency because of the fact that it was not only being used and abused but it was being used and abused by people that in my mind, should have been on the same side as right, me. Right. And it started to get constant. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's another one. span pace this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Going back to
1: the trap, the cage that falls on mm-hmm. you that has the unpickable lock and the unbendable bars and that blah, 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 but the layering, the layering, it's too much. It's too much. It's, it's obvious. It's stupid. Again, pacing, doing this all the time. Like if Dawn's character mind controlled every single person, multiple times a game, every single game, all the time, yeah, that would get really, really annoying. The times when she does it, I mean, I don't find it annoying. I find it hilarious. But I find it interesting also for a different reason because I have a weird outlook, which I don't think should be weird. The story comes from failure. The story does not come from success. So when someone does something like... Dawn tries to mind control me and she succeeds. I'm in the van and I turn the corner and I go to the place that I don't want to go. I look at my character and I say, you know, he's, he's insane. He's a mad scientist. He's really bent. And he like alters his perception of reality to fit what he wants it to be because he's crazy and stuff. And that's really cool for me because then that allows me to do it. I failed and we create a story about it. We, we create story. We do role playing and, and that sort of thing. And it builds my character's legend that of, man, my character really is like that, really concretes pe- my character in people's minds when we play. And alternatively, for her too, when she fails, like to mind control my character, I have a power called Jinx, which if you ever play Savage Worlds, it's that if anybody does anything to you, if they succeed, they could seed and it's, you know, exploding dice, all that sort of stuff. But if they were all one, they fail insanely. It's a huge failure. It's a catastrophic failure, even at, if you
2: succeed specifically at the GM's discretion of how they fail.
1: Yeah. So
0: she's done that before. She I'm like, I would totally have her get lost in the Penrose stairs <laughs> of this. And she accidentally mind controls herself to obey Chad. Oh, no. So, I,
1: it was worse. So she, my character's crazy, right? Yeah. Like, doesn't even understand that there was an alien invasion. He is just gone. She rolled it. Success! Ha! I did it. You're going to turn. What'd you roll? Uh, It was like an eight and a, a one. A one? And I think you looked at me and she like, what happens? It's like, all she can hear is the theme to the Jeffersons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she can't get it out yeah. of her head. And it, now every time... She kind of gets this well i'm gonna I'm gonna mind control you. I go
2: moving
1: on <laughs> yeah,
2: deal <deluxe> yeah. his apartment <laughs> <laughs> on the east side. yeah, we've yeah. had a couple things like that of uh his character doesn't believe in magic. Mm. best character is magic, so he wants to he wants her to do something. so she blasts energy at him, rolls a one in the process, and he trips and falls from being pushed back. Over a pipe that flies up in the air and hits her in the head.
1: Yeah, This this Jinx power is the best power I've ever had in any game. It's amazing.
2: It is fun as a GM when it goes off. Because I have to put a little thought towards Mm -hmm. what is the most fun way to have this backfire. And what does
0: Wayne roll all the time? (laughs) I'll tell you though. (laughs) One of the things this goes right back to have been talking about. Is you've put a mechanism in place that number one gives you an out. You being Chad Mm -hmm. gives you an out. So it's not an automatic sort of thing. Yeah. And secondly, I think it's going to meter the usage of this. So it's not being done all the time because it's a risk. Yeah. I mean, you may be as as powerful as Usain Bolt was fast at his peak, but you're doing this across a minefield. Right. And so you really got to think
1: about that. So let's give an example of how the story comes from failure not from success in a little bit more of a a serious thing instead of you know the Jefferson moving on up to the east side now this did not happen again i'm just make i'm just pulling this out my ass it's like okay say that there is a big fight you know we've been playing for a long time dan and i are villains in your game and we're playing necessary Mm -hmm. evil and you know there's the big visori these the alien guys the commander, and we've been trying to track this guy down, and we've tricked him into coming to this warehouse, right? And now we're going to face him. But it's going to be the fight of the century. And your character is not Superman. Your character is like Mastermind. You know, he, he's the thinker, he's the planner, he's the genius, you know, strategic guy. And you have been behind getting this guy here, and you're going to face him. And I'm playing like a Superman type guy. I'm playing Crabble Hulk or whatever. And we are very, very close friends, even though we're, we're villains and we go in and there's the bad guy. And I'm like, think to myself, he's going to kill you. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. There's going to be this big fight and my friend is going to die. And so you look at me you're like, okay, let's go. We're going to do this. And I pass a note to Wayne that says, I take out a pair of handcuffs and I handcuff him to a pipe and I handcuff you to a pipe, and Wayne gives you a roll to notice that to sure, get out of it, you know, it all whatever needs to be done needs to be done, and you fail it. Agency is taken away from you. The dice took it away. I, as a player, took your agency away. But man, what an awesome story! Because there's that scene, right? The awesomeness of the
2: game is not rolling dice and pounding this bad guy anymore. The scene. Yeah, my focus as a GM would not be on the fight. Right. It would be on Dan's character to be, trying to get free to be of being you, chained. At that point, I don't even want to roll the fight.
1: I don't care what happens. I want to do the scene where it's like you hear the click, and you look up at me. And we role play. You you're like, what the
0: f*** are you doing? You know, I'm not going to let you die. Oh, I did and, this and, to somebody in a con game. <laughs> it was in one of uh, Meow Meow's Apocalypse World hacks. Mm -hmm. And there was a, I think I've told the story before, but there was a player character where they had a daughter. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember all the details, but we were like trying to get away in this boat. Somebody was going to have to stay behind to basically stall the enemy long enough for this boat to get away, something to that effect. It's been years. I don't remember. But they wanted to stay behind. And I was playing the group's doctor and injected this player character with Mm -hmm. an anesthetic. Right. And then threw them in the boat and Mm -hmm. they got drug off while I stayed behind, I think, to do the fire. Somebody missed it, whoever it was. But the point being, though, that they really wanted to go down Mm -hmm. in that blaze of glory. But because I knew that character had a daughter. Yeah. No, you know, I, was, yep. I shot them up. It's like, you have to live. You have to survive this. So
1: the, the awesome thing about that and about, like, handcuffing your character, the pipe, is not just the scene, right? Because there could be this whole big boss battle planned out. And like like I said, I don't even want to roll that out. In fact, I would even pass Wayne a note saying, the boss beats me like a rented mule. And what needs to happen after that is very important. Because, again... I took your agency away. We had an awesome role-playing moment, but that's not enough, right? Because taking someone's agency away from that in a situation like that is a lot. What happens after is important as well. I, as a player, have to do something to give you back that control. That What we talked about, the stick, the control, the, the safety, the sense of self, the the importance... It has to be in some way returned to your character and to uh,
0: you. There is a great example of this that's going on right now, at least before the mid-season break and all that stuff in the show Gotham. But I'm, I hmm. can't talk about it because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah and I don't <laughs> no, want to spoil it for the audience either because we try to you know keep things within a one-year delay to give people time to catch up. So I, I'm not going to talk about that as much as I wish I could because there is such a neat example that that show right now. I have an
2: example here, and we're going to spoil Star Wars Episode 1. And that spoiled itself. So <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> this is it taken. Didn't spoil think itself. It's Think about this itself. if you were playing it out as a game. You get to the battle with Qui Gon and Darth Maul.
0: Okay. So, and one of the good parts of the movie. And
2: Obi Wan is stuck behind. The force field watching oh, this yeah. battle happen. What do you do? He has.
0: I meditate. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> he has no agency, no ability to do anything. He has to sit there, watch the fight happen. But what gets given back to him, he then gets the fight and he gets the win. Yeah. And
1: think about that scene again. No, well, don't think about it too much. The movie was horrible. But think about that scene. But that was a good scene that was from a great the movie. Scene, well, yeah. I had a Lego lo- kid of that scene. What I loved about that scene, even though I hated the movie, is that that scene. Encapsulated all three of those characters. Yeah. Remember how we were saying earlier too, it's like when you fail, you know, the story comes uh the, the story comes from failure, not from success. the most
0: character development of that movie occurred. Yeah.
1: When you saw what was Darth Maul doing? Seething, pacing, angry. Mm-hmm. What was Obi-Wan doing at that point in his life? He was confused, he was worried, he was trying to figure out what to do. He was young.
0: What did Qui Gon Jin do? One of he them, meditated got, yeah, I say one of them got down on his knees. I don't remember if it was Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan. One of them got down on mm-hmm. their knees and actually started flat meditating he, yeah, while was, they were trapped. Yeah, as Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah.
1: Yep. And that displayed all three of their characters because th- if this were a game, the Game Master did that for I-don't-know-why reasons, and the players were able to run with it, and they were able to display their characters in that failure. Right? It doesn't always have to be action. It
0: doesn't always have to be success. It doesn't always have to be go, go, go. So, you were talking earlier about sort of a buyback. Yeah. That taking away someone's agency is like withdrawing from a bank. Yes. And so, when you go back, you don't want to just put the dollar that you took out, Mm -hmm. which would be letting them out of the cell or whatever, but give them some kind of a payoff. Purely for the sake of the emotional investment, they feel yep. better so,
2: about what happened. If Chad's character in this game, where we ended with him chained to a uh, an interrogation mm-hmm. table, if he doesn't get something out of that, I would expect him to be disappointed. Well, so me, little, I got a great example. Of
1: this. Well, let me give you the, let me give you the metaphor real quick here <laughs> okay. to, to kind of cement this in people's mind. Think of it as a transaction, like a bank. Right, I take your agency away. I'm withdrawing money from you. I take your agency away again. What happens? I'm overdrawn.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's a bad thing. So you have to put it back with interest. Then later on, you can make another withdrawal. And, if, and there's a trust there. There's a trust between the customer and the bank, and that, you know, it'll go on like that. But yeah, that, that's the danger of just taking agency and then taking agency and then taking agency. Pretty soon, somebody's going to flip the table and say, there's nothing yep. more to take.
2: If I had people walking around with anti-superpower guns mm-hmm. shooting you every time you tried to do something, you'd get pretty pissed.
1: I would say, well, why Why am I a superhero? Exactly. Why am I not some accountant?
0: <laughs> I'm an accountant man. All right. So a story from one of our past games that ties a bunch of this together because it, it talks about, Chad, this mm-hmm. sort of side topic you're running about, the story coming from Failure. But it also talks about loss of agency and then the payment with interest on Mm -hmm. the loss of agency. All right, so in that game with Saren, Sir William, and Narl. Yeah. We were trying to take over a city called Mm Vatoon to give Saren back lordship of a city, partially because he was a power-hungry bad guy and wanted the control of the city back. right? But also because his immortality was based on the politics of controlling something. If he was not in the position of a lord, he lost his immortality the Mm -hmm. next time he died. And so he needed to get back into that groove. And so we went to the city of Vatoon, and we scouted it out, and there was game after game after game of us kind of manipulating situations and screwing with things, and eventually we make our play and take over that city. And, of course, loyalties don't always flip top to bottom that quickly. And so there were groups within that city that were actively working to undermine Saren's authority. And Mm -hmm. some of those were people that were loyal to the old regime. Some of those were outside agents from other cities that just didn't like the change of power or saw an opportunity to get involved. And so there were all these coup attempts and one, well, at least temporarily successful coup to throw Saren out of power and to take from him the things that we had gained. And in one of those kerfuffles, we did, as I just said, temporarily lose control of the city. And there were factions that were for us and factions that were against us and factions that were caught in the middle. And there was this great story that played around the fact that we didn't have perfect control of the situation. Mm -hmm. Now let's get to the payback with interest part. So in the middle of all this, I don't remember how it happened, but somehow... Gnarl gets drugged, magic spelled, mm. I don't remember what, but somehow he gets taken down. And when he wakes up, you had him in the castle's dungeon, he's in a cell, and there were chains anchored to the wall, going you know, to the brickwork of the wall, mm. and they had a manacle or whatever on each of his hands, or each of his wrists, so he is chained both wrists to the wall in the middle of the cell guards outside my agency. I mean, we not only have we lost control of the city and that's up in flux, Mm -hmm. but you have now 100% taken away control of NARL. So what happens from here? Well, what happens is we're bouncing back and forth between different scenes and different perspectives. But when it comes to my turn, because Gnarl has this outlandishly high strength, mm. and because of the fact that you made the concession, reasonably so, that this cell was not made for Gnolls, it was made yeah. for humans, it yep. just was not designed for a creature like him, that as he was pulling on the chains, he was actually not breaking the chains free from their anchoring, he was pulling the whole block the, the, out. Yeah, he was pulling these blocks out of the wall. And so, what happens when he finally is ready to break open that cell and come out? He still has the two chains on his wrists. And I think on one of them, he cracked the block off. So, like, one of them he's got like this brickwork mace. <laughs> and on the other, he's just got this loose chain, like motorcycle gang style. <laughs> and he went on this tear mm-hmm. throughout the guards down there. And that was a badass, bloodthirsty, <laughs> full-on, mm-hmm. gnarlish scene. <laughs> Gnarly, indeed. Right. That yes. was made possible by, one, him having been captured in the first place, but then, two, you willing to pay back with interest that mm-hmm. loss of agency. Of It's not like, okay, you barely squeak out tail between your legs, and that's yeah. the end of the story. But there was this comeback where you even kind of let me have some free mm-hmm. reign there, I had, for a little bit there, more agency than I did prior to the capture. Right. And so it created, obviously I still remember it, years yeah. later, and I remember this scene. And, you know, even if I can't remember the exact context sure. of it, I remember the scene itself. Just Gnarl being a badass
2: killing machine. Yeah, Yeah, which was kind of his jam. Yeah, I remember <laughs> in that same... Right around that same session, Sir William got captured. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole thing to rescue him. And you gave me the opportunity, and I escaped myself. Right. And <laughs> everyone's rushing in to rescue him, and he's already gone it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's it, probably out down at the whorehouse. He's got a tankard of, of beer and... A new hat. new hat. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, how'd you get out? Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> it, was,
0: <laughs> it was but nothing. <laughs> so let's loop to another point here, which I think is going to be the one we're close on. And this is something I mentioned earlier, but I want to emphasize here at the end, which is, I think for me, both the starting and ending place of this for how likely I am to accept this as a player versus feeling pissed off by it. Right. Is I have to have some feeling like I understand why this is happening. Mm -hmm. I have to understand how this fits into the character journey. I have to understand how this fits into the plot. I have to at least see how you don't this need it blueprinted out for you. Sure, but- I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying that you always have to explain everything to right. me. But I want to have the sense that it occurred for a reason. Now that reason could be my poor choices. Yeah, that reason could be my poor roles. That reason could be a plot thing. I obviously see occurring, but I have to have some sense that this is why the whole situation went down going back to the story that I just told, mm-hmm. I understood why Saren's control of the city was slipping. I understood why, as part of that, Sir William being part of the new regime, or at least mm-hmm. loosely affiliated with it, was on the lam. I understand why Narl was in a cage. Right. I never had to question, why is this occurring? It never struck me as being completely random or capricious. Even if I didn't have the full picture... What would have happened, plot-wise, mm-hmm. if Sarah never got control of that city back? Right. What would have happened if I had bombed those strength rolls and Narl had not mm-hmm. pulled those chains and bricks loose? Where did that go? I didn't know. I mean, yeah. what what did you have in mind? Were you just going to tell me, no, it, you don't even get a roll? I mean, you <laughs> why could have.
1: Why don't you just turn your character sheet over and <laughs> maybe go get us some beers, darling, while we play the real game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I, that is
0: not what you want to do as a game master. And so I just have to have some sense. I have mm-hmm. to have some understanding of how we got here. I get the game occurs in a little bit of a fog. Yeah, Like you said, I don't need a blueprint. Mm. But I don't want to just wake up and I'm in prison and okay. I have no sense why you as a game master are doing this to me. Mm-hmm. I have no sense of how this occurred. I have no sense of where we're going from here.
2: Well, and there are... A lot of game masters that will do that as the start of a session. You wake up in a, in a prison. Mm-hmm. Something happened between sessions <laughs> and you wake up in a prison. I've heard it on actual plays. I've heard stories about it. If you trust your game master, that can still yeah. work out well. And they don't do it all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, though, or, and like at a con game
0: mm-hmm. where I
2: don't have that same level of yeah. trust in a GM. I might be more annoyed by something that would happen in a regular gaming session that wouldn't bother me. We also mm-hmm. don't
0: have the same amount of time in a con game. True. Yeah.
2: And once again, that's, I think, what's really
0: the issue is more than the loss to control the character, which I do think does matter. It's the loss of the player's own agency. You take me into a con game and you throw my character into a cell for an hour and a half of a three or oh, four hour game Right. Slot the hell's wrong with you yeah this happened to me it was not at a Fear the con but it did happen to me at a con game not here I, I i don't think it even involved any booters outside of one or two people that were also players but that happened to me in a gurps game which maybe mm. that was my first mistake <laughs> but i got i didn't have a draw my character for most of the game and it's mm. like well i'm so thank you thank you so much for yeah th- this yeah. taking up this hour and a half of my life where This isn't part of any greater narrative. I don't have any Mm -hmm. sense of why you're doing this. All I know is I came and took a risk on playing this game, and (laughs) this investment's not panning out for (laughs) me. Well, you know, not all
1: risks pay off. Yeah, Yeah. that's why they call them risks. uh, (laughs) That's right, (laughs) which is unfortunate, because when you talk about con... See, here's a bit of con advice for your con game masters out there, is you want your players... Feeling that they're doing something, can do something, can are invested in the game in some way. You don't want them sitting there thinking, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm completely trapped. Not just because, well, they signed up for your game. It's our half of your life. It's a con. Some of these people flew into the city. They took time off work. They got a hotel room. They outlaid hundreds of dollars to sit in front of you for three to four hours. And now you just took half of that three or four hours and told them to spin. Yeah. You're the asshole here. <laughs> don't be the asshole. Be the awesome guy. Like me. Or Wayne. Oh, yeah thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just not Brodor. No, not, no. Not,
1: never yeah. Brodor. Oh, God, no. Uh,
0: he's out of agency, which is why he's not even on the show. He's stuck at work. Nah, it's just a game shop. They just play up there. They don't do That's right. Thing. There's no real work. All he does is jack around there. Yep. So... <laughs> Yeah, listen to our the interviews. You guys want to hear first time Broder was on the show. We did a two-part interview with him mm-hmm. about the retail aspect. I think that was one of the things he did a whole bender on was people who... <laughs> think that think they, think they, just they just play games? Yeah, that they don't yeah. actually work at a game store. They yeah. just jack around the whole time. Oh, sure. Running a Pokemon
1: tournament with 50 kids is just sitting around playing cards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: it's not. So, anyway... We're going to cut this one off, so thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.